tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed. And a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to tinfoil hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink. Good morning, Swarm, and welcome to Tim Fall Hat. You know I am. You know I'm here to do. I'm here to rise, brother. You're on fire. Joining me as always. Uh, and you know him is to love him, and just know he doesn't smoke the same. My good friend Xavier Guerrero. What's up? And then on the ones and twos, uh, he's back in the saddle. Jay Nice, Johnny Woodard, cock. <laughs> I have no clue what that came. Why? I don't know. Why? Why? Just why? We just lost all of our young Christian warriors. <laughs> What's up, dude? You're yelling out homoerotic stuff. Anyway, know what you're talking about. guys, we got a great podcast for you today. Uh, it was, uh, let's just say, the thunder of the gods. It was a great. Yeah, it really one. was. Yeah. It was a great I, I one, think dude. I, I, I timed it, and we set the record today for the longest it's ever been. What would you say, uh, uh, XG? Without what Sam talking? Uh, I would say he didn't talk more than five, ten minutes on yeah. this one. Yeah, but as far as the largest chunk of time we've ever oh. gone without Sam having a word on at his least own, thirty on his minutes. Own podcast. Sounds like they're gonna be sad. At least thirty minutes. Okay. Yeah. So if you, yeah, if Troy McCall. McLaughlin. If you, if you enjoyed this, leave a review and let us know how leave much you Leave a review. You let it. us know. Yeah. Pieces get. Pieces of the puzzle come together, in my personal opinion. A lot of shit was explained. A lot of shit. There's a lot more going on in the world. And as he talks, you can go, hey, man, I, this is happening in real time. In real time, dude. Orita. So, guys, listen, man. The big 500 is less than a month away, and guess what? Only 50 tickets left. 50 tickets left. Wow. That's when we added the tickets. Now we're already through the originals. So the original numbers sold out. So we're technically sold out. Technically, we have 50 tickets left to the first show. <laughs> to the first show. Second show, we got, we got about 70 tickets left. And they both will sell out. And it will be murder. There will be a crush fest. And guess what? We've decided the 50th is also going to be, we're going to name, we're going to officially name the Mount Rushmore of yes. Tim Fulha. And there's a lot of extra room on there because one certain giant round head is no longer on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Adios. I'm also thinking about, as people come in, running the first episode. Oh, uh, that's cool. That's on a, a good big idea. screen? Yeah, man. That's a great idea. Hey, is there anybody out there that thinks they could edit together the best? The, oh, yeah, please. The best of tinfoil hats? Do it. Do like a five-minute montage? Or you three better put mon my historical moment in there. What was your historical moment? Remember when I called uh, Teachers Fat last <laughs> week? <laughs> you used to like historical moment. You've had a couple good ones. That's what I'm saying. Get one of those in there. Yeah, get some time when Xavier said something that made sense. Get it when he wasn't falling asleep. Can we get that? Episode? <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Dude, it was hot. Uh, so much going on here, guys. So much going on. Guys, I just... Uh, so, I got dates. I've got hoes. Now, I got dates, bro. I got dates. This Friday... I don't know when Johnny will get this done, but this Friday, we're going to have... I'm going to be in Pennsylvania as Soul Joel's with my good friend, Howie Dewey. We're going to be doing a show there. And then the next night, I'm back home at the Dojo of Comedy. Myself, Howie Dewey, and whoever stops in, we're going to rock it. Go grab those tickets at samtriplee.com. And I haven't put them up yet, but I finally got a ticket link. Miami, I'm coming. The 21st through the 23rd. I'm in Miami right after the big 500, with his, which is October 16th. So uh, come get... No, no, that's, that's two days after. Sorry. That's two weekends after. So it goes the 16th. I got a week off. Then after that, the 21st. Uh, through the 23rd, I believe. Let me look at that. Come on, let me crunch some numbers here. Let me crunch some numbers. Okay. It is definitely the 20... The oh, yeah, 30th, yeah, I'm back The 29th back. and 30th. You're no, going no, back no, no, to back? No, 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 no. I'm going the 15th. The 16th, I'm in, I, I'm in Vegas for the 500th. And then the 21st through the 23rd, I am in uh, Miami. And then I have the next week off, which is my birthday. Which I'm not excited about this year. <laughs> but all those tickets, you want to see me live, go to samtriplee.com. Grab your tickets there. Guys, uh, the show, is, I'm hustling, I'm working, we're slinging all that content dick for you, okay? All over the place. Premium content, all in one place. Rockfin.com, rockfin.com, R O K F I N.com. All there, okay? Everything you want. Tim, Fo we have. We have my Tuesday. Woo! Hey, you just released one okay. right now. I'm looking at it. It was on the top on top page. Yep, I did page. that. And then I have with the Daily Dose, which is now getting changed. The, the official name is Only Conspiracies are, are going to be there. Then I have zero. Then I have I have zero. I have um, who else do I have? Oh, I have the me and Brian Callen Conspiracy Social Club. I have Broken Simulation, the greatest of all time. We don't smoke the same. All that in one week. You can get literally like 10, 12 hours of content all for $10 a month. So that becomes like 40, 50 hours of content for only $10. Where do you get that? Where do you get that? You know you hate Netflix. You know you hate it. It's just low-frequency bullshit. Everybody you love is on Rockfin. Go check it out. $10. Make it holla. Just go to samtriplee.com. Click any of the links. Join there. Join us. Love us. Okay? T-shirts are available. Tinfoilhattshirts.com. That's all we need. Tinfoilhattshirts.com. Guess what? Only conspiracies flying off the shelf. Uh, what else we got? Taliban skydiving team that Johnny loves. Then guess what? You guys doubted me? You guys doubted me? A breakfast chicken steak got sold out. You'll never see it sold again. Hey. Ever. Ever. Gone. It's, he said limited, and it's limited. It's gone, dude. You cannot get it again, ever again. Who knows what's going to happen? I'm, I was trying to show him how it looked. It's not even on the fucking website. It's not on the website. You can't even get it. So when these shirts go up, they go quick. Grab them. Uh, disobey all of them. So go no, check that hey, out. And don't forget, guys, hoodie season is coming by, and we got a bunch of hoodies. You can make hoodie any of these into a hoodie. Look at these. That OnlyFans will look good on a hoodie. Oh, yeah. Get that hoodie, especially ladies on OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, guys, I have also other free shows that you might want to see. 
Okay, my good friend Xavier Guerrero, he's got one. It's called We Don't Smoke the Same. You can get exclusive content on Rockfin, but you also get the show for free. So go put in We Don't Smoke the Same. Johnny and I have a show called Broken Simulation. That is our comedy one where we get weird fast. I thought Johnny was the main one on there. Oh, yeah, Johnny lets me on his show. Thank you, Johnny. (laughs) And then finally, I have a couple ones. Uh, Conspiracy Social Club. That is for free, and I'm working on zero. I don't know how to rip audio uh, off. I don't know how to rip my videos off of Rockfin. Oh, I, I can hook you up yeah. with something real easy. You know how to do it? Yep. Yeah. I've tried it. I, I don't know how to do it. I, I have an app that you just hit a button, and it pulls it. Rips it? Sauce. Yep, yep. easy. Will you send me that app? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. And Cash Daddies, too. That shit was oh, popping. Oh, yeah, Cash Daddies on fire, everybody. Broken Sim is up to number 89 in the charts in Spain. So in Spain? In yeah. España? Feliz so. Navidad. Yeah. <laughs> Feliz Navidad. <laughs> I love it. It's one of the best shows out there. We talk mad shit on these unsuspecting fools. All that more. Anything oh, else, guys? Yeah, one more thing. And if we're not in your town and you want to see Sam Tripley special, go to samtripley.com for No Lives Matter. No Lives Matter. Love it, live it, learn it. Please, if you love my show, you love this show, go check out my comedy. Leave a nice comment. Okay. Anything else, guys? Rocking. Let's go. Let's rock. Guys, great. I'm telling you, you're going to love this episode, man. It's one of the best we've done. Really making a run for that Mount Rushmore. We go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. All right, let's get into it. Uh, Very excited to have this topic today. Can't talk about this enough. It's one of my favorite topics to talk about. Uh, Very excited today. He's joining us. Please welcome Saturn Death Cult researcher, Troy McLaughlin. How are you, brother? Um, Great. Thanks very much for having me. So I appreciate you coming on and talk about, this is a weird thing to say, but one of my favorite topics to talk about. You know, I know we're talking about Saturn death cults, but I just, I just for me, when I started learning about this subject and these groups, it really, like, a lot of pieces of the puzzle come together. And, mm-hmm. and when you have discussions, you always have, you know, oh, this group runs everything, that group runs everything, this group runs everything. But I always find that when you really study whatever group you're talking about, right, you start to see symbols that kind of like are hiding in plain sight, right? And you're like, and it always leads back to like Saturn worship for me. So uh, for our listeners who may not uh, be familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm Troy McLaughlin. I was um, born in South Africa, brought up in New Zealand. I've spent uh, many years in uh, Southeast Asia as an adult. I'm now living in the UK. I developed an interest in what's called Saturn theory when I was at university where I studied uh, Egyptology and ultimately American and Chinese politics uh, was what my uh, major ended up being. Uh, it was while I was at university, I stumbled across the writings of a guy called Emmanuel Velikovsky, who caused quite a stir back in the 1950s with his book, Worlds in Collision, um, in which he suggested that the... Uh, the solar system as we know it was very different uh, to the ancients in terms of what they saw in the skies. Uh, he caused a, a, an absolute furore in, um, in the scientific community, became you know the classic sort of 20th century he- scientific heretic. 
And uh, people who've taken up his um, his lead have gone on to sort of develop what would be called the electric universe model and its subset called Saturn theory. And uh, Saturn theory is the idea that the planet Saturn, uh, with two significant terrestrial uh, satellites, one Mars, one Earth, was captured by the solar system within the time span of uh, human existence on, on Earth. And uh, that capturing event, uh, which caused a tremendous amount of interplanetary uh, upheaval, is basically what's at the uh, um, what's behind most of the mythological record, uh, as opposed to the anthropomorphic, um, you know, sort of interpretations that uh, are uh, bandied about. Uh, that mythology is some kind of fan- fantastical psychodrama uh, done by uh, people with a very um, primitive mindset. Um, Saturn theory postulates that mythology is actually a key to understanding uh, what the skies looked like for the ancients and that that world um, really didn't settle down to the current configuration of planets we see today until probably as early as 3,000 years ago um, and so on. So, yeah, I, uh, I've, I followed that sort of uh, line of um, cosmological thinking. It's a new form of cosmology, very radical. It's based on the electric universe principles that uh, postulate uh, that the universe is governed by electromagnetic principles um, more so than it is uh, governed by just simply uh, gravitational uh, you know, physics based on mass alone. And uh, as a result of that, uh, uh, that, that particular model, um, it's very easy in our, well, in, in terms of the people who study this, to draw a comparison to what mythology told us was happening uh, thousands of years ago, and what that model predicts can happen uh, in terms of interplanetary uh, cataclysms. Guys, I want to talk to you about our good friends and long-running sponsors of Tim Fall Hat, Blue Chew. That's right, it's fall. Fall is here, and that means you're going to be inside, and that means bonerific. That's right, there's going to be a lot of time for a lot of boners, and you're going to need help with that, guys, and that's where Blue Chew comes in, right? Blue Chew, man, I love Blue Chew. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable tablet, and it takes it's at a fraction of the cost, right? I love it. I love Blue Chew. I take it and I look the girl in the eye. I go, prepare for war. That's what I do with my lady. And let's say you're like you're like Xavier. You go both ways. Sometimes you look the guy in the eye and go, it's on like Szechuan. We don't judge here. I don't I don't go on the road unless I take a Blue Chew with me. You can fly with it. I mean, it's always with me. You can fly with Blue Chew. How great is that? You can fly with Blue Chew, okay? The process is very simple to get Blue Chew. Sign up at BlueChew.com dot com consult with one of our licensed medical providers and once you're approved you'll receive your pr- prescription within days the best part it's all done online man all online so no visits to the doctor's office no awkward conversations and no waiting in line at the pharmacies you ever wait in line with a chick she's like what you're here for you're like oh dude i need boner pills not anymore bro not anymore right you could walk your dog wave your neighbor with the big tits and be like tomorrow's the day action jackson happens all because of our good friends at blue chew it's really simple dude i love blue chew you all love blue chew so here's what we need you to do we need we got a special deal for our uh, our listeners for the swarm 
Okay. Try Bluetooth free when you use the promo code tinfoil at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's it. What do you get for five bucks? Okay. Bluetooth.com promo code tinfoil to receive your important safety information. And we thank Bluetooth for sponsoring the podcast. That's right. Let's go to Bluetooth.com promo code tinfoil to receive your first month free. Visit Bluetooth.com for more details. Man, there's a lot to unpack there, huh? <laughs> Man, you just dropped the hammer of the so, gods on us. What on an that. intro. What an intro. What an intro. That's a hell of a... <laughs> you don't even do foreplay, bro. You just come right for that action, huh? <laughs> Damn, dude. We don't even have time. So there's so much. I mean, just know, out of the three of us, one of us writes at uh, an adult level, okay? The rest of us are a little slower, so I'll let you guess which ones. But uh, I I flunk first grade, so we have to really unpack everything you said right there. And I want to start with the theory of what, what, as you understand, is the electric universe theory? Well, um, the... Electric universe uh, model, um, it's, as I said, it rejects the gravity-only solution for celestial mechanics, uh, which is the way basically physical bodies um, uh, work off each other in the universe. Um, and it proposes that electromagnetism is the primary force in operation uh, throughout the visible universe. So magnetism is many magnitudes powerful, more powerful than gravity, and all magnetism is evident of past and present electrical activity. And on a planetary and galactic level, that is a very a seriously powerful force, m much more powerful than, than celestial mechanics give us um, when, it, when they just only take into account mass and gravity. Uh, the, the, the way that uh, you know, one can understand the electric universe model is that um, if you think of space as a giant soup of variable and interacting electrical fields uh, in which you know, massive electrical currents are conducted through a substance called plasma, and this is a key to understand, plasma, in, in, in mainstream science, I should uh, qualify this, in mainstream science, you've heard of things called black holes, uh, dark matter, dark energy, these kinds of concepts. The reason that those exist in, in traditional scientific thinking is because when they looked at the observable um, universe, saw the stars, the planets that we can see with, with the naked eye um, and other optical implements, they had a heart attack and they realized that uh, they were missing up to 95 and maybe up to 97% of the mass needed to explain how the universe operates how, how it how it all sort of uh, interacts with the, with each other so they started creating concepts of things that we couldn't see uh, to explain this uh, this difference black holes and dark energy and dark matter were the um, were the sort of uh, mathematical constructs that we used to explain why why 95 to 97 percent of the uh, physical universe was missing uh, in terms of just a gravity only uh, model of how the universe works. Plasma, though, um, which is you've seen those um, you've seen those uh, uh, very pretty sort of uh, NASA pictures of space, all lots of colors and so on. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. You know the ones where where sort of they, honestly they look like a Jackson Pollock. Um, painting <laughs> yeah, there, I, I totally understand. You know? what you're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what that's what you call false um, false color uh, images. So space doesn't actually look like that to the naked eye or anything optical. All they've done is they've assigned. Um, 
values to the energies that they're picking up in space. So, you know, certain uh, electromagnetic energy goes to red, some goes to green, some to yellow, and so on. Then you get this this sort of uh, um, abstract, you know, uh, vision of the uh, universe uh, being multicolored. Most of what you're seeing in those uh, um, in those false color images is plasma. Plasma is this fourth state of matter, and it's highly conductive of electricity. And it's it's that plasma which, funny enough, makes up about ninety seven percent of the observable universe that the electric universe says is conducting all the forces required to understand how galaxies planetary solar systems and uh, and basically any celestial bodies interact with each other so as i said think of space as a giant soup of variable yes. and interacting you know sorry yes i'm totally yeah, getting okay. what you're saying so so for the, those who are at the back of the short bus okay uh when english is your second language so so what you're basically saying is that there's this belief that like space isn't empty but more yeah. of it is of, of, of plasma, almost what, you know, I've heard other people talk about more like liquid, right? Is that what we're kind of getting at? Yeah. Um, plasma, uh, you know, is part of the, is also something that describes blood, uh, you know, the, the, the concept. And, and the first, what you would call the electrical um, scientists, the electric universe observers and so on, use plasma um, from the blood because that's how they saw plasma behaving. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it really, the, the mainstream science will, will tell you that it's simply ionized gases, all right, and that these gases hold no gravitational pull or anything like that. They're not dense enough uh, to, you know, to keep planets in orbits and so on. But plasma being ionized gas is conductive of some sort of a force, and uh, what I should uh, let your viewers understand about plasma is it comes in three modes. It comes in dark mode, it comes in glow mode, and it comes in arc mode. Dark mode is by far the majority of what plasma does. Um, it, it you know you don't actually see it with the naked eye. You've got to use scientific instruments to juice up the electrical current that's running through it or the ionized aspects of the gas to, to be able to see it. Glow mode, uh, the classic example of plasma and glow mode is your uh, northern lights, the, um, uh, the, 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 you know, the sort of the, the lights that you see above the Arctic Circle um, that, uh, um, and, and also be below under the Antarctica region, they've got the same effect. Um, <clears throat> these, um, the, the glow mode shows that you've got an uptick in electrical energy taking place. Uh, mainstream science says this is simply the ionized atoms of gas being excited by extra electrical activity and so on. But we call that glow mode in the electric universe. The um, arc mode is, and this becomes very important to understand what mythology is all about, arc mode where you have seen it in the everyday world is straightforward lightning strikes, fork lightning, sheet lightning, that, that kind of stuff. It's basically lightning. Uh, and uh, in the electric universe, this can take place at almost galactic levels, when, you know, which is pretty huge, certainly at solar system levels, and certainly when two celestial bodies, a planet, two planets, a planet and a star, when they meet um, uh, in, in such a situation where their electric uh, fields interact, that can cause a short-circuiting static 
uh, effect, and you can go into arc mode, uh, <clears throat> arc mode electrical uh, activity with a uh, you know with with the plasma that's interacting there, and you know uh, to to cut to the chase in terms of how it reflects in mythology in ancient mythology, for instance, uh, the god Zeus, uh, Jupiter, as, as other people know it, was known as you know the god of the thunderbolt. Um, the thunderbolt being that lightning strike. It's where in a lot of religion we get that whole thing. If you do something bad, God's going to strike you dead with a, uh, you know, a, 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 with an electric um, um, lightning strike. It all comes from the idea that uh, in mythology, people witness planets interacting in such a way where arc mode, uh, very destructive arc mode um, was taking place. These flashes of lightning between planets as the celestial bodies were stabilizing themselves or, or um, uh, what's the word? It's uh, they, where, where, where their um, electrical fields were um, rebalancing towards each other. Uh, you, you get this electric activity. It's no different in a, on a cold, dry day when you uh, shuffle across the, the, um, uh, the carpet towards a, uh, you know, a radiator or, or, or your kitchen tap. You touch it, you get that electric shock, that static electric shock. That's you're just rebalancing your um, uh, rebalancing your electric field with the uh, with the metal object that you've just touched. In the electric universe, this can be scaled up to planetary interactions, uh, and uh, this is the connection to mythology. Where do we read of this kind of activity uh, taking place at uh, planetary levels? Is in mythology. And the electric universe provides a very succinct model for explaining what uh, the ancients actually saw uh, in terms of uh, what was happening in our solar system, um, you know, uh, well, for the majority of the time uh, before the 3,000 years ago, from about 12,000 years ago to uh, 3,000 years ago, this was a highly active uh, period of time uh, in the Earth's history. Okay, man, that is Damn. a lot. So, Johnny, so so basically, we space is a soup, and plasma are, are the are the planets plasma, or are they like solid, like like we think of them? Um, okay, so planet plasma, they're, they're either gas. So, what I said was plasma is like the fourth state of. Um, of uh, uh, material in the universe. So you've got solids, you've got liquids, and you've got gases. So a brown dwarf is mostly a, uh, a gaseous, um, you know, sort of substellar uh, body. Um, it, you know, it ha Jupiter, for instance, is a gas planet. We're a terrestrial planet, uh, planet Earth, and so on. So if you understand that when a body either made of solid, gas, or liquid, um, travels through deep space, it has its own electrical field, and that electrical field is conducted by plasma. And uh, the plasma envelops those bodies uh, and um, basically creates bubbles. What you know, electric fields are essentially bubbles. Magnetospheres is is what uh, astrophysicists refer to the big bubble that uh, protects us here on the planet from cosmic radiation and so, uh, solar flares, that sort of thing. Um, plus our atmosphere, but mainly the magnetosphere. So every every body in space, every celestial solid body, liquid body, um, or um, uh, gaseous body 
has a kind of an electric field and that electric field is governed by the greater electric fields that it travels in. So a, in, in terms of electricity, the smaller body with the smaller electric field is negative to a larger body uh, uh, that has a larger electric field. So imagine a, a brown dwarf approaching um, the electric field of the sun. The sun will have a much more positive, more powerful electric field than the brown dwarf. The brown dwarf will be coming through space with its own what uh, its own bubble of plasma. We call it in 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 the electric uh, universe model. That's called a Langmuir uh, sheath, which is 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 also is also called that in uh, mainstream science. Uh, uh, Irving Langmuir discovered that um, uh, basically physical bodies develop these these shield-like bubbles uh, when they have an electrical field and when they travel through other electric fields. And as that smaller brown dwarf approaches the sun's electric field, its, ele its own electric field will interact with the sun and the short circuiting will take place as the, um, as the uh, uh, and I've just remembered the word, as the electric field of the brown dwarf seeks to equalize uh, with the sun's uh, um, electric field. And that will manifest itself in some pretty dramatic arc activity, arc being lightning flashes, that sort of thing. In other words, the brown dwarf, you would expect it would probably electrically overload and go into a nova type um, uh, you know, situation where it, it, it flashes forth, it, it expends a lot of energy as it seeks to equalize with the sun. The sun will also experience distortions, but it's, 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 its size makes it uh, the dominant um, partner in, in, in the interaction. Hmm? It can absorb it. Is that what we're thinking? Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, and, and, and this, is, this is at the crux of what is called uh, Saturn theory. Um, Saturn theory basically proposes that our solar system was not created by uh, an accretion disk that, you know, basically joined together in various planets, and and um, and we and and all the planets were formed where you see them today. The electric universe model is more about the idea of captured planets or captured bodies uh, that become planets of a of a of a particular star. So, uh, the solar system that we see today, according to the electric universe, is a collection of captured uh, celestial bodies, planets, and some brown dwarf stars have become uh, gas planets, uh, particularly Saturn. And uh, and that I think the most radical aspect about that, of course, is that uh, we're proposing that this process of capture took place within within human memory, the corporate human memory, uh, and was witnessed and actually recorded in the form of mythology. Uh, so, in fact, it probably happened as, as recently as 12,000 years ago and only settled down as uh, as a little time ago as 3,000 years ago. Hey, everybody, I want to tell you about our friends at Lucy Nicotine, okay? Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative, okay? Finally, tobacco has an alternative that doesn't suck. All right. Research and developed for three years to be made for people, not patients. Lucy has created nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine and comes in these three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. Holla at your boy. Okay. Lucy has lozenges. Okay. With four milligrams of nicotine that include the following flavors, cherry, ice, citrus, and mint. They went hard in the paint on that. Okay. 
and it's convenient and discreet. Products can be enjoyed anywhere, on a flight, at work, at the gym, on the go. It doesn't matter, okay? So it's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes, unplug your vape, throw out your dip, okay, and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges, okay? This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple and you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down, okay? Lucy, Lucy, lozenges and gum, okay? Also have FSA and HSA eligible. So you'll be able to spend pre-tax dollars on them, okay? This is for the TFH swarm, okay? Go to lucy.co, C-O, okay? L-U-C-Y dot co and use the promo code Tin foil to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. Okay, this is Lucy.co. Use the promo code tinfoil at checkout. Okay, I also have to give this disclaimer warning these products contain nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is addictive chemical. Okay, Lucy.co and be sure to use the promo code tinfoil. There is, um, you know, we've had a lot of shows where we've discussed the rewriting of history, what it means what they let us know. So I mm-hmm. could definitely see this starting to happen in there. So before we move on to the death cult, mm-hmm. final question is, there, how do, what is the difference between a gas planet and a terrestrial planet? How do, can a gas plant become a terrestrial planet? Um, the core of a gas planet uh, is, 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 you know, sort of molten liquid iron, um, metals of that of that type, but mainly speaking, a gas planet is you know basically it is it's a very dense cloud of uh, material that um, circles around a core. Um, so, I guess I should take you back to uh, what we proposed that you know the, the basically the a short summary of uh, how Saturn went from being what's called a brown dwarf star. Um, to a, a gas planet that we have in the solar system, and basically what 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 we're proposing is that a a brown dwarf star is like any other star in the electric universe model. It's a um, it's an electrostatic phenomenon that is caused by what's called a Z pinch in the currents, the electrical currents uh, that plasma is conducting uh, throughout the universe. So a Z pinch will pull in elements into a core, and then uh, will pull in gases that are around, and it will form into something that starts to glow in a very dull um, uh, light spectrum, usually in the infrared to um, ultraviolet uh, light spectrums. It won't glow like a main sequence star, which is a, a seriously strong um, Z pinch effect in the electric universe model. All stars, if you can imagine stars being like Christmas lights on a Christmas tree. Uh, they're all connected by these uh, cables and they, they glow because of the resistance uh, that um, each bulb sort of um, uh, gives to the current that's passing through those wires. Well, that's what we're proposing the, um, you know, basically galaxies are. They're basically strings of plasma uh, connections where you get points of, um, of uh, you know, starlight where uh, these head pinches take, take place. Brown dwarf star doesn't quite get that uh, uh, glow. It's uh, a lot less than the um, uh, than the main sequence star, and it attracts a lot of gas um, particles into it. If it overloads, some of its more solid uh, core can fracture off and eject 
uh, bodies which can become satellites, planets, or moons, uh, as you would call them at that uh, at that point in time. And uh, you know, so basically, that's how we believe a a brown dwarf star uh, forms, and it, it's it's mostly gas. The other important element into it is that brown dwarfs are copious carriers of water. Uh, water being one of the most phenomenal substances in the uh, universe, it's the only substance we know that both um, uh, expands when heated and cooled. Uh, no other substance does that. Everything contracts when it's cooled and every and 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 expands when it's heated. Water actually uh, expands when it's cooled as uh, as well as heated. But uh, water becomes part of the gas, the vapor that uh, surrounds a brown dwarf star. And uh, in the electric universe model, some of the sort of leading proponents of this, um, this is probably the most exciting thing about um, brown dwarf stars, is because of that big plasma bubble that they create around themselves um, when they're formed in in the uh, plasma Z pinch. Uh, effect uh, because of this uh, uh, giant galactic electric field uh, creating that plasma bu- bubble around them, the Langmuir sheath, the inside of that plasma bubble with the warm glow of the brown dwarf star becomes a very, very uh, conducive space for the establishment of life. Uh, life as we know it, you've got water, you've got heat, uh, you've got the right type of light for plant growth, uh, all these sorts of things. So a lot of guys in the electric universe, you know, would advise people who are looking for alien forms of life, go looking for the 7,000 plus brown dwarf stars between us and the next main sequence star. Um, you know, to, uh, try and look into those using infrared, radio, astronomy, and so on. It's the most likely place you're going to find alien life. And what we're proposing is that that brown dwarf star um, a brown dwarf star uh, had two planets, two terrestrial bodies. They had fractured off its core, Earth and Mars. They developed over a period of time that we call the Purple Dawn of Creation, um, simply because that was the light inside that if anybody existed on those two terrestrial uh, planets, that's all you would see is this purple light from the infrared and the ultraviolet blue spectrum of the brown dwarf. And that was cocooned inside the uh, plasma bubble. And when that plasma bubble was captured by the sun, uh, everything equalized for that brown dwarf star started off a sequence of events during the capture that effectively reduced the brown dwarf star to a gas planet. And uh, that gas planet shone like a star in the northern celestial north of the Earth um, for a very considerable period of time uh, at the beginning of human experience. And but was eventually dislodged by the power of the sun and now exists merely as a gas giant uh, planet on the outer edges of the solar system. But this is the crucial aspect that uh, uh, the ancients gave Saturn this little speck of light uh, out on the um, outer rims of the solar system. They gave it such a prominent uh, place in the uh, mythological record uh, that it, it's all biggest belief that they that they refer to it as their first and best sun, that it shone like a sun, that it was, you know, worshipped like a sun, uh, and so on. And and this is this is largely the problem that most people have in in grasping the concept of Saturn theory. And that is that um, sun worship in the ancient world is what has often been confused with Saturn worship. 
people think the Egyptians worship the sun that we see today. But in fact, most of the Egyptian mythology and other mythologies point to the celestial north as to where the sun was and that it stood there basically, you know, in a, in a stationary position. Uh, I, I like to read um, Duadu Cardona's um, statement, uh, one of the researchers that, that, that I follow about uh, Saturn. Basically, I'll quote him as, as this. The evidence of myth which points to Saturn having once occupied a, a position above Earth's north polar regions is vulnerable. There is not a race on Earth that has not preserved at least one account which states as much. According to this evidence, Saturn occupied a central position in the north celestial regions. It rotated and rotated widely, but other than that, it was immovable. Now, that condition, end of quote, that condition lasted um, for, a, you know, a number of thousands of years before uh, Saturn was eventually dislodged and placed where it is today. Whoa. For people who believe that, the crazy. <laughs> for people who believe that the uh, that these skies have always been the same, the uniformitarian um, dogma that 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 mainstream science is based on. This, of course, when you read this knowledge in um, in the mythological record, it causes all kinds of heart attacks because the ancients are basically saying, "Don't look at the sun that rises from the east to sets in the west. Look at that thing that is up in the celestial north." Um, that was the big boy of, uh, of, of celestial bodies that they were worshipping. Well, when we look at to the celestial north, all we see is a little wee pole star and um, nothing much happening up there. And so 150 years ago, academia, in concert with the uniformitarian sciences of geology and the Darwinist approach and so on, they conspired, well, not conspired, they contrived is probably a better word. They contrived to... to uh, um, make everything that res that referred to Saturn uh, in in ancient mythology in its various forms, the Egyptians versions, the Aztec versions, everything like that, had to conform to sun worship. And yet, this there was we go. Odds. Yeah, there we go. It was. I, I got to totally cut you off for odds. two seconds because you're crushing it. You're you're killing yeah. it right now. It's awesome. So much. I okay, man. We're gonna have to have you back on another show to talk <laughs> Electric Universe because you just blew my mind. And because mm -hmm. a lot of stuff starts to click when you think about that. But man, you mm -hmm. really dropped another hammer when you get into that sun worship is the worship of Saturn. Because mm -hmm. that, all of a sudden, that piece just connects so much for me in my mm -hmm. belief of that. At, <clears throat> again, behind all these quote unquote groups that run everything, there is symbolism mm -hmm. that leads to Saturn. And when sure. we talk about Christianity, we talk about the group that put the book together, which is the mm -hmm. Bible, and how they were Saturn, how they were sun worshipers. But when you take a look and you go, it wasn't the sun as we know it, but it's actually the sun Saturn. That even makes even more sense to me because that leads us to who does Rome worship? Who does the Vatican worship? When you mm -hmm. take a look at all these people, when you get into like... When you get into uh, Jeffrey Epstein, how much occult symbolism is is in what he does? And he, you know, we hear he's part of the 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 mega group, which isn't like Donald Trump, okay? But it is in a weird way because you know Donald Trump's a Jesuit. Jesuit leads to what? Jesuit leads to Rome, which leads to Saturn worshiping all over again, right? Yeah. 
So all yeah. this starts to click together when you think about what you're saying right now. Yeah, well, the the uh, if you'd gone, been back in Roman days and said, so are you a Roman, they wouldn't know what you were talking about. If you'd said, are you a child of Saturn, they would know what you were talking about. Romans referred to themselves as, you know, Saturn, Saturnalia being their, their biggest feast that became Christmas. Um, they, they didn't really have a concept of Rome in the sense that we – you know, have, have, have bestowed on them through our movies and our history books um, uh, since then. Uh, I think, you know, going back to uh, this, this, this problem of um, modern academia and particularly the sciences, uh, basically second guessing what the ancients actually told us to be able to fit into the skies that we see today um, because it just becomes impossible for them to conceive why would the planet Saturn have been worshipped as something in the north, a giant sun in its own right, when it's only just been a speck, this pinprick of light, uh, you know, out in the solar system. And as a result of that, the, the problems that you get from that is they've disassociated the names of the planets from the gods of mythology when Plato and various authors are very clear that the uh, the planets were considered to be gods, uh, that, uh, that the association with Saturn, with the planet Saturn, is well and truly established, but modern science has to ignore these statements because they believe that the sky we've seen, we see today, has been as it is for you know at least 4 billion years, and certainly longer than the existence of humanity. Um, and so, you know, a lot of that is hidden from even the occultists, even the people who are involved in this stuff um, don't quite realize the significance of understanding a, a capture um, a theory of how the planet, uh, how the solar system formed, as opposed to the uniformitarian gradual sort of way of, uh, of, of planetary uh, formation. And, you know, this is the reason I wrote Saturn Death Cult was to hopefully get people on the process of understanding uh, that uh, mythology is a record of actual events. And as such, it, how can I put it? It, um, it demystifies those deep ingrained archetypes that respond to symbolism in negative ways. Uh, people will no longer be uh, held captive to the subconscious um, uh, you know, uh, symbols that are used by people uh, in a very exploitive way uh, to gain control over people. And they start to understand, you know, a, a, a different approach to mythology and, and basically the rotten foundation that religion, a lot of religion, and uh, certainly the esoteric and uh, occult uh, groups are, you know, have based their thinking on. Let me ask you something, Troy. Are you saying right now that you believe the myths of the ancients aren't actually myths, but they're actually historical records of things that actually happened. Yes. Yeah. Oh uh, the vast majority God, of dude. them, they're interplanetary cataclysms recorded for posterity as a way of a warning. Um, and you see... Oh, hold, hold on, real quick. Let me just clarify. What myths are we talking hold, about? Hold, 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 hold on. That's what I'm getting into. So mm -hmm. let's say the story of... Um, Who's the god of time? And is Cronus. Cronus. Well, Cronus, right? Cronus is the so, Greek Saturn. So his son comes to kill him, right? That is the mm -hmm. whole thing. His son is a Zeus. Zeus comes to kill yeah. Cronus. Do you, 
Is that literal, do you think, in your opinion? Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, I'll, qualify, uh, I'll qualify this as, um, as something that is absolutely astounding and the biggest lost opportunity that Saturn theory people ever had in, in making what in science they call a prediction. And that is that the ancients knew the planet Jupiter, which is named after Zeus, Zeus is Jupiter, they knew that the planet Jupiter had rings like Saturn. That's something that we didn't know. I think it was only about 30 years ago that we that we discovered that there were rings around Saturn, very like gossamer-type rings. But somehow the ancients knew this. They also knew, um, you know, that obviously that Saturn had rings. Now, we didn't discover Saturn's rings until the time of Galileo, um, you know, since, since, uh, since the ancient sort of age. Yet, for some reason, the ancients were able to give very good descriptions of of four main planets uh, saturn venus mars and jupiter that defy um basically if it, they defy being able to discover that if it's just the naked eye that you're that you're watching these planets where they are today so jupiter having these rings uh, at some point after saturn is captured uh, by the sun and starts to fail as a sun in Earth's northern celestial regions, it comes into interaction with the with an existing gas giant, Jupiter, that was a, a native planet to the to the sun. And there is a catastrophic interaction between Jupiter and Saturn. And and uh, to the ancients, this was the dis- this is what dislodged Saturn from its position in the north. Uh, in the celestial north was its interaction with Jupiter, and hence the legend of Zeus, the um, the the hidden child of um, of Kronos, who is the Greek Saturn, coming back and displacing his father. Um, okay, also, now I get you know, what he, you're saying. So it wasn't yeah. literally a person like Kronos and literally Zeus, but it's the story of the planets that they've ha- they they gave them names of of gods. Yeah. Okay, right. gotcha. Yeah. I almost and they had such right devastating there. effect on the Earth because of the proximity to the Earth that you know in the ancient mind the Earth was governed by what happened in the heavens. Uh, this was the um, you know the, the, the empires and kingdoms rose and, and fell according to uh, the comets. Uh, um, you know uh, according to comets and planetary interactions. Uh, this is why ancient religion was so incredibly obsessed with watching how celestial bodies maneuvered uh, in the skies. And when anything sort of was untoward, um, you know, people literally freaked about, uh, about the effect and prepared for what is another doomsday. And, and you see, I think, you see, what I write about is uh, where, where my book is different from other electric universe people who, who write about Saturn and the capture of Saturn and uh, its, its uh, implications for mythology. So what I write about is an, an elite-driven, a worldwide occult culture that is based on a fraudulent understanding of the mythological record, the one we've been discussing. Uh, one that pr- promotes an agenda that's focused on creating um, a new and exclusive golden age for a self-appointed elite. Uh, and, and it's an elite that's, you know, basically de- determined to rule humanity and see themselves as heirs to the ancient golden age that was pre- presided over by the mythical creator god Saturn, which was established in the first golden age 
during the capture process uh, when Saturn was first captured by the sun. Um, most of us know uh, this this golden age and the god of it as Saturn, but it, you know, it goes by a multitude of different names, all with the same archetypal um, elements to it uh, in, in, all, in virtually all other cultures. Unfortunately for most of us, however, this, uh, what I call a Saturn cult or culture, uh, in all its forms and permutations, it's, it has evolved out of various ancient priesthoods and religions to come to promote a culture of you know, total socioeconomic and political control. Yes. And it negatively exploits a number of deep-seated, all these psychological Jesus. scars that are a residue of the great doomsday event when Saturn was dislodged from, from its position in the uh, northern skies and so on. So, uh, you know, the, these, these psychological scars throughout humanity, these are all... Um, uh, you know, the, the, these are all directly linked back to actual uh, catastrophic interplanetary events. Well, that's what I believe it can be linked back to with uh, when you look at, at mythology in its uh, original form. Um, and, uh, you, um, and basically it was, it was witnessed by humanity, uh, by humanity that managed to survive this and not in the too distant past. However, even though these massively you know, destructive interplanetary events have been largely forgotten and clouded over by the haze of the mythological record. You know, you don't get a sense of this today when people talk about mythology at all. Um, the uh, It's these deep psychological scars uh, that were created by the doomsday event that dislodged Saturn uh, that are still with us today. And it's these scars that are exploited through symbolism by people with uh, malicious intent. And, uh, it's, it's my belief that um, what has evolved in a very distorted way is the idea that uh, there is a way back to another golden age, a, a kind of a mythical paradise that happened when Saturn first burst into light, when it first got captured by the sun before it was dislodged, uh, that we will go into another golden age of a similar nature, except the difference being here is that we will enter it through a man-made um, doomsday event and uh, enter into a, a man-made technologically driven golden age uh, that um, benefits an elite uh, few uh, who are, are you talking transhumanism transhumanism I believe is the absolute um, basis of this idea of a of an evolutionary step into a new golden age yes it's it's technologically driven but but based on an an occult misunderstanding of the original golden age but this is it's basically their idea of how the earth should be ruled by well it's you know it's a machine-like transhumanist vision you know of, of human existence it eliminates need for procreation or interhuman contact and relationships <laughs> Um, and, you know, the, the kind of things that most of us believe make us human, they they are looking to change that uh, through this new sort of technology-driven golden age. But they need a cataclysmic event to satisfy the ritual aspect that has been developed over the centuries um, to bring about this um, uh, this new golden age because they do believe in a force, a, some sort of universal force out there that can be manipulated through ritual and uh, and such to uh, you know to to ensure that they're the ones who uh, come out on top. 
Now, do you believe in uh, astrotheology? Isn't that what it is called? It's basically that most of our, our stories in the Bible are based on the constellations and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I'd have to qualify that. I don't believe in, in the you know, astrological sort of sense uh, or whatever. I, I believe that um, constellations and such have been utilized as much as the written word in preserving, uh, you know, um, uh, records and also, you know, warnings to future generations um, about possibilities in the future and so on. And again, it's these things that have been largely distorted to create the modern concepts of um, of uh, the occult and so on. I mean, you mentioned uh, Jeffrey Epstein, uh, you know, with all his uh, temple stuff on his little island and so on. It's obvious to me that e Epstein was a, th a Thelema, uh, a believer in Alistair Crowley's um, um, type of religion that borrowed heavily from Egyptian symbols. Um, I don't believe Alistair Crowley knew what he was doing uh, as such. He just borrowed to create um, a Sophic view. This, you know, this Greek idea of do what thou will should be the own, the the, the whole of the law. Um, and uh, you know, people have run with that, particularly in the uh, in celebrity circles. The Lima seems to be the the um, the favoured uh, form of this, but uh, it all has its origins um, in. Uh, what I would call the silver priesthoods. These were groups of people who tried to preserve the great golden age period um, uh, in the form of um, weights and measures and uh, um, religious writings uh, after the doomsday event um, that took place, I believe, around about uh, 6,000 years ago. Uh, and I think that's crucial to understand that there was a period when humanity emerged from a dull primordial darkness a purplish light into a bright world where Saturn, you know, what I believe to be the, the planet burst forth. And as a result of that, the reason that this period when after Saturn burst forth, the let there be light moment uh, in the sort of ancient records, if you take the biblical example, um, that was when humanity was able to actually uh, um, grasp the concept of uh, the measure of time. And it is the measurement of time, hence Kronos, the god of time, and Kronos also being Saturn. But it is the measurement of time that launches civilization, because prior to that, it's impossible to know how long you slept uh, without a, an ability to calculate time, the passage of time. And, uh, you know, let alone meet up with people at certain landmarks and say, I'll see you here next Tuesday, or I'll see you next month. It brought month or order. Whatever. There became an and order to everything. Yes, yes, and, and and it's those weights and measures that the good Saturn, the good god Saturn, is associated with. Um, the bad god Saturn is, is that it all comes asunder when he's pushed out of his position in the celestial north and things go awry, and you no longer have that uh, comforting, um, almost paradise-like existence uh, on the earth as a result of Saturn's demise. And a lot of the weights and measures get lost. And so you have the emergence of uh, what I call priesthoods and what the esoteric traditions call the uh, Silver Age, who are desperately trying to get back um, what those measures, uh, those weights and measures, the basis of civilization would be. They become corrupted very quickly because with the demise of Saturn, uh, we hit a situation on the Earth where suddenly the Earth is not producing its, you know, its, its bounty um uh on a on a 
sort of a, a, a continuing basis, you suddenly have seasons which introduces the idea of scarcity. And when you've got scarcity, there are people who want to monopolize um, uh, scarcity and they want to monopolize the work that goes into producing harvests. And a lot of these uh, priesthoods ultimately become a, a vehicle for creating control mechanisms that allow a idle elite to benefit off the work and the product um, of, uh, of the greater majority of people. And they, they couch that. Um, they couch their authority in the idea that they are somehow inheritors of the knowledge of Saturn from a golden age. And that's where it all starts to really uh, go bad. And in my book, um, the biggest thing that I want people to take away from it is that the emergence of central banking, uh, the international debt slavery finance model that we have been laboring under in in America since for for 100 years, over 100 years now, um, but for you know, quite really since the times of Roman, it's, it's, it's put its head up every now and then, but certainly in the last hundred years worldwide, that is probably the greatest tool of, uh, of uh, population control uh, that has ever been devised and is also the one thing that is responsible for virtually all the wars, the famines, the, um, um, the pestilences uh, that, that the earth seems to periodically suffer because it's based on this idea of a uh, um, of society operating on a debt that they can never actually repay. And somebody always loses, and that group of people who lose becomes larger and larger. And the people behind the system, um, many of them who don't really fully even understand, I believe, the full implications of, of mythology, when you look at it, they're actually all Saturn worshippers, they are not Satan worshippers, but Saturn worshippers. I do. I've been saying this forever. Have I not been saying this? Yep. This is exactly what I've been talking about. There's a, so much going on here, man. I hate cutting you off because I got a million yeah, questions. It's the least you've ever caught anyone. Yeah. I, I, by the way, ask these guys. Uh, I've been very quiet because I just want to hear what you have to say. So, so Saturn is in the sky through the electric mm-hmm. universe. Electrical forces knock it off its its uh, position. position, which causes it to go away. Is is the sun that we have now always been there? Yeah, the sun's it's not always been there in our skies. Um, ancient, the really ancient stuff, particularly if you look into Mesoamerican culture and so on, they talk about a non-existent sun, the sun, you know, the sun that we see today and then a distant sun, and finally a sun that sort of uh, replaces the original sun. Um, you know, I, I give various quotes in the book uh, from the Popovu, the uh, um, texts and so on that show that the experience, p- particularly of some of the more ancient cultures on, on, on this planet, um, is one where they emerge from a, a sort of a purple twilight, permanent twilight, to this world where there's a great glowing sun in the celestial north that sits immobile uh, up there. Uh, there's a couple of other bodies there that uh, we identify as Mars and Venus. They, they glow in spectacular forms that produce, um, you know, due to plasma. These are 
uh, I, d- I show in the book how these uh, are the origins of many of the symbols, the eight-pointed star, the scarred warrior, uh, all these sort of factors, the, um, uh, the rings of Saturn and so on become uh, observable at this time because of uh, Saturn's capture. And uh, to them, the most important place to look in the heavens is not where the sun is, but where the, um, uh, you know, our, our solar disk now, but to the celestial north. And, uh, you know, for, for centuries, it seems, that's where they, they basically identified the origin of life uh, as such, or certainly the origin of the way the planet is, um, you know, uh, after this purple twilight uh, sort of dawn uh, that they'd gone through. And, uh, you know, when that, when that gets um, dislodged, uh, that is the most catastrophic event in all cultures, uh, that's the doomsday archetype, and that's what's in our subconscious today, uh, which can be exploited by symbols, uh, is this sort of return of this, you know, almost humanity-ending doomsday event that took place at the end of uh, the planet Saturn's reign in the celestial north. This is, this is amazing. So, you know, I get into uh, things like Kazarians and stuff like that, and how, you know, you know, that so much of this, what's going on in this world are Kazarians who are at the D, you know, are when you go far enough back are are Turkish and this gets into, you know, what the Turks did to the Armenians and the the formation of Israel and all these Mm -hmm. other, and the, you know, and then you get into, if we're talking about Saturn worship, which brings us to you know, the Vatican and that the Vatican owns a giant chunk of uh, mm. the territory of Israel. Nobody ever talks about that. Do you have any mm. thoughts on Kazarians and stuff or is that way out? Not really part of what you, you talk about. It's an area that I, I chose not to discuss too um, uh, closely um, because you know, it's, it's such a highly controversial area. Yeah, right. It's definitely a part of the process. Um, I also avoided talk about masonry, you know, the Masonic orders, uh, this sort of thing as well. I just wanted to get um, as as closely to the idea that much of symbolism, including you know your cube symbolism and Judaism, your black rock in Islam, the um, the crescent and the star in Islam, all of these things, six pointed stars, all this sort of symbolism is directly uh, explainable uh, in terms of the cosmology of Saturn theory uh, as to where it came from. Once you know that, you're not held by some quasi, um, you know, religious authority uh, to, uh, you know, do what you're told by whichever group claims to have hidden knowledge about these uh, things, you know, these mystery schools and so on. It opens up what... uh, what has actually happened in the planet. Uh, and it also, I believe it, 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 it the, the, the main thing is to allow people to be able to identify when somebody is trying to exert control um, over you, um, you know, wh- where they're coming from, what, what they're using as a, as a control mechanism. Uh, you know, to, uh, to go against you. And yes, Kazari, Kazarian um, Judaism, um, you know, Arthur Kersler was absolutely correct when he, uh, when he talked about the 13th tribe, uh, these um, sort of ideas and, you know, the idea that Ashkenazi Judaism is, 
is about as Abrahamic as, um, you know, Toltec Mayan Indians or, or, you know, whatever along those lines. Um, It's really just a a religious connection rather than the racial connection that they have. Um, But these are, this just joins the overall cacophony of of malicious and malignant influences that seek control mechanisms. And to be perfectly honest, the only only thing that is... um, that is good about all this sort of stuff is that there are so many conflicting um, internal disputes between people who would seek to control that quite a lot of the time they often end up imploding in a massive confusion under their own weight. Um, and I think we're going through a process of that uh, at this time. In I totally as well. agree. I totally agree. So, uh, cause I want to get into what these death cults do and you have some notes here. So just for my own personal understanding, so the so through the electric universe, Saturn gets knocked out of uh, the center point of our sky. This brings in this brings in the, this somewhat new sun, but this sun has brings in uh, seasons, and the seasons change the way we operate. It's no longer the golden era. Now we see winters and falls and all that stuff. Yeah. It's a different energy at this point. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then this group that wants to, that worship the the Saturn in the sky as the sun that we know is Ra, but is actually uh, Saturn worshiping, which is such a giant piece of the puzzle. They want to bring that back. Mm-hmm. In what sense are they doing that? They 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 want to bring it back in the sense of its authority. So. Um... I'm going to use sort of biblical references here to uh, so that people can can get the sort of the gist of what I'm saying in terms of motivation. All right, the m- motivation of what I call Saturn worshippers is more to do with what the Bible says happened after the fall of Adam and Eve, um, which is the sort of the creation myth of the um, uh, you know the biblical account. So let there be light, an element of creation, paradise is formed, uh, humans are created by the uh, creative force, and then they sin and they are ejected from paradise. And the key phrase that I like to concentrate on is the idea that by the sweat of your brow will you make the earth yield its fruits. Now, that typifies what the golden age was in the sense that you didn't have to sweat to make the earth yield its fruits. It just did it for you. It was permanent harvests. Uh, There was never any food scarcity. Now there was food scarcity, and people had to work and and join together um, in order to produce what they needed to get through the, um, you know, uh, winter periods and so on along those lines. Now, in any human society, in any group of humans, you're going to get people who don't want to sweat to make the earth yield its fruits. And they will look for mechanisms by which they can control other um, people to do all the sweating okay, for them. Okay, I get it now. All right? I understand. Yeah. Okay, and so what they do is they hijack the idea that the golden age was a time of great... Um, you know, uh, 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 it was it was a paradise for people uh, to live at that time, but they hijack the idea in that they are the only ones who know the truth about it, and they exploit that mystery. All right, it's the old story of yep. I've got a secret. If you join me in something, you can have that secret too. Yes, and so on. But I want you to do this. Yes, and such all right. 
And because we have those deep-rooted psychological scars, um, the rituals and things like that ring true, and we start bestowing on these people a kind of an authority, and it becomes established. It becomes a form of kingship, priest kings being the first type, and the most obvious today, of course, is the pope, uh, you know, of, of that model. The other way that you can make people do what you want them to do is you can just force them. You can be a, you know, take the gangster uh, approach and just say, if you don't do this, I'll kill you. But there's a point in time when there's too many people that you're trying to control that can rise up against you. And so you need a better mechanism to make lots and lots of people do what you want them to do. And that's where the concept of weights and measures, which is the true concept of paradise in the Saturnian age, where they established just, just justified weights and measures that people could trust. These groups started creating weights and measures and became the authorities of how those weights and measures are dispersed and, and uh, dealt with. But they start to corrupt those weights and measures for their own benefit. And I that totally brings us down there down you know down through the line uh to the modern banking system that we have today it's the greatest distortion of a of of the measure of work done because that's what money is uh it's a measure and uh they've distorted that to their for their own ability by turning it into basically a debt and yeah. such so yeah no i totally understand what you're saying so there was but it was there's abundance everybody's working together making mm -hmm. stuff saturn gets knocked out off I'm, I'm just good this so people like me can understand so saturn gets knocked out of it suddenly there's seasons the the abundance changes because these people start to ex, uh, exert control on the mechanism of creating farming and food and all that stuff they they mm -hmm. they they see it. They they see an opportunity to seize control, so they create this system to corrupt mm -hmm. it and then control it. A great example of what we're talking about right now is what's going on with crypto, right? So what mm -hmm. are they saying right now? And crypto well, could China, be a new yeah. world order, right? It's possible, but there's a lot of people creating crypto left and right. People are making over. Uh, what's going on? These same people are like, we have to regulate crypto. We have mm. to regulate. It's the only way we're going to save it, which then becomes control over crypto. Well, I mean, you yeah. know, it gets crazy when China fucking bans it. Yeah, that is great. But that's more control, right? And that, you know, it's like this notion that's only one group of people trying to do it. He said, it's right. There's a lot of people trying to do it. And the blessings are they're all battling each other that it ends mm. up like blowing up in their face. But now I understand what you're saying. Do you guys understand it? I totally get this, man. I totally get this. And we get it through uh, all... Man, man, this is an excellent episode. And, and so we have this group of people. They create uh, this banking system. Uh, that yeah, allows what they want is they want monopoly and they want centralization. All right. So the big, the big con job that most people don't understand is that when they talk about um, capitalism, uh, the, there are two types of capitalism. One that operates on free enterprise and the other one that operates off the idea of monopoly. And that particular form of capitalism, you know, communism is the glove that fits their hand because communism is state monopoly um, and uh, corporate m monopoly is, um, you know, monopolistic capitalism. Yeah. And effectively, it only works when you have a centralized body calling the shots and deciding what's right and what's wrong. 
And if I go back to the biblical concept of um, what the, you know, the, the, the Silver Age priests um, collected, if you know the story of Adam and Eve treated like a mytho- mythology and so on, but there's a very there's a part that's often misunderstood when it comes to the moment of what people call original sin. And that is that the sin of Adam and Eve is just entirely linked to the idea that somehow by eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, um, they knew the difference between right and wrong. That's actually not, in my opinion, what the Bible is actually saying there. They knew what was right and wrong before they ate of the tree. The, 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 the key aspect there that is in what I would call the Melchizedekian priesthood of, of Silver Age, the, the first pure part of it all, is that the sin there is that Eve decides uh, often it's quoted as saying, um, when I ate the tree, I was told by the serpent, um, by the devil, some people believe uh, along those lines, that I would be as a god. And they stop at that point thinking that Eve wanted to be like God. She qualifies that by saying, knowing right from wrong. Okay. But you see, that makes it sound like as if she had stumbled on the idea, gee, I know what's right and I know what's wrong. What's actually implied by that is that being made in the image of God, meaning the intellectual capacity of God, this human being decided they had the capacity to go one step further and define what is right and wrong. And that power to define what is right and wrong is held primarily in the ability to define our weights and measures that form our laws. So Eve, basically, instead of adhering to what the Bible would call divine revelation of uh, God's eternal law, uh, you know, as such, Eve takes the route that the Saturn death cult culture is based on, which is I can aspire to be the person who decides what's right and wrong over and above God or as God, uh, depending on how it is. And this is why the new golden age esoteric idea is fundamentally linked to to um, to that idea. That's the central idea that uh, Eve's sin of being able to decide what's right and wrong like a God that, that powers the thinking of the Saturn death cult culture that I talk about. Everything else that they're involved in is simply the mechanism for achieving that objective. And their new golden age is the... Uh, is, is basically typified by the idea that they just get to decide what's right and wrong for everybody. We see that in the world today mm-hmm. going into acceleration. Crikey, One, it's, uh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. You know, and then we get into, like, the royals and all these groups and, mm-hmm. you know, the connections between a lot of these religions uh, and, and the royals and who who... You know, so we see, and I talk about this all the time on the show, we see introductions of holy books into uh, the three of the major religions, right? Even there's a couple of people talk about Hinduism as well, but you know, we see the Bible written by the people who, uh, who worship raw. Now we're talking about Saturn worship and what, what stories got in there, what stories did not get in there. Then we see that basically from people we've talked about on the show, a new Quran being written and how Mohammed is actually related to queen Elizabeth. And then we get into, we got two books. 
We got the Torah, then suddenly we got the Talmud, okay? And this is now what they call a WikiLeaks, of, of now a Wikipedia of religion where everybody can jump in and kind of give their say and what they believe, and there's some really dark shit in there. But I think there's purposely put dark shit in there to get us all to fight with it. It all starts to make sense right now. Now, when we take a look at what's going on in this world, uh, a re redefining uh, of, of, of basic science redefinition of basic understandings, uh, the changing of how we believe we should raise our children and all this stuff totally makes sense when you start thinking about what you just said about Adam and Eve and what is the original sin, and which is that man believes he can decide what is right and wrong. Now, when we take a look at religion and like you know what everybody always says is you know the 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 greatest uh trick the devil ever committed was to uh, convince you he didn't exist right but then mm -hmm. you start looking at all these other religions and all these other philosophies and they'll be like oh that's the devil doing that and stuff like that and then there's been so much rewriting of all this all this ancient scripture how do we know what's real how do we know what's not real oh. <laughs> um Okay, I, I personally, uh, to answer a question like that, um, it really just comes down to applying yourself um, to, you know, what's available open source in terms of uh, the records, um, getting certain keys. Uh, you know, when I wrote Sad and Death Cult, it wasn't an explanation. It was a, it was meant to be a guide and a direction for people to then follow themselves and see what they came up with and hopefully lead into many of the things I think you've probably already encountered um, because the difference in my books to most uh, electric universe based books is that I blend in the socioeconomic and the uh, socio political elements uh, of human history into you know, the, the being a consequence of what happened as a result of these planetary interplanetary uh, cataclysms. And, uh, you know, it's um, what I prediction, um, I guess, in the scientific method, the greatest form of um, knowing what is right and wrong is when you make what's called a scientific prediction. It's not prophecy or anything along those lines. And so what you need to see is what you know, what fulfills, um, as you observe events taking place, what fulfills um, uh, certain theories, certain uh, hypotheses, and such. You can do that in the scientific way. You can do that in the political, socio way. And so really, you've just got to, you've got to do your research into the ancient records, which I believe were all a, 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 a warning, um, do that with the with the key that I hope people will take from uh, my book, Set and Death Cult, and then apply it to what you see uh, in the in the news and the fake news and everything that else is coming out, and uh, and and basically ap apply common sense. Uh, it's really the only way. None of us are ever going to know what's really going on behind the scenes. Uh, in, in, in terms of that, and it becomes very frustrating. Believe you me, it's a very frustrating time to, to live in. But my own understanding at this point in time is that we're living through a change that takes place very few times in history um, where society is going to radically change in terms of who controls us. 
who controls society itself. And I think it's going to change for the better, whereby there's a, a complete decentralization and also a, um, a, 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 a in terms of that decentralization, a series of agreements between people, contracts between people that are based on accurate and uh, weights and measures. In other words, we're no longer going to have uh, fake money because that's effectively <laughs> what uh, the Federal Reserve has put out and so on. Uh, we're going to have uh, money in in terms of uh, contractual arrangements between individuals and not controlled by a third party we call government or, or the central bank. Damn, get, your, tears, gri- right? get your crypto. Get your crypto. Mm-hmm. Get your, well, get your gold. I'm a big fan. Crypto is a good crypto. Crypto is one of those elements that is, uh, is shaking the foundations, no doubt about it. Uh, yeah, and they're trying to regulate, which is, I mean, it's just you see these ancient, ancient people trying to control something when they barely even understand emails. What you also yeah. see is them, and I think we have to be real careful about this, creating their own currencies. And, and and you really got to investigate who's behind them. You know what I mean? Because right. I think you're seeing a lot, oh, yeah. a lot of these new I ones now. I think that's now. what XRP is going to be. I, so yeah. you're talking about I, like a like so. like a Facebook a Facebook coin? Facebook? It's a, a it's, Facebook coin. It's basically yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 the banker's coin. Just not as obvious as that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I totally yeah. agree with that, dude. I, I mean, totally avoid agree. anything centrally, anything that is centrally controlled. Uh, is, is 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 you know the key to that? I think one of you know what what um, what you mentioned before in terms of control. There's a the Silver Age priesthoods knew the difference between two types of law. One type of law tells you what you can't do, and most people rebel against that. But the law that they seem to go for, which is the dangerous one, is the law that defines what you're allowed to do, to do and only do. And a centralized form of control, whether it is through money or um, or, or a judicial system or anything along those lines uh, that controls from a central basis, is effectively giving you permission to only do certain things. Anything else is not open to you. You have to do what they allow you to do. And this is why this world that we live in at the moment is overrun by a thing I call bureaucratic licensing. Uh, basically, you can't exist in this world uh, without getting a license uh, from a central authority to do so. The ancient silver priesthood concept is that the only permission you need to do something is the permission of the other person you're interacting with. You come to an agreement, which is a covenant, and if you both agree and you both operate off of uh, weights and measures that are that everybody can uh, uh, define and, and understand. It's really just between you and the other person. That's why crypto is so great. It's it, it allows us to operate between each other as individuals without a third party looking over our shoulder and telling us, no, you can't do that. Or no, this is the only thing you're allowed to do. Um, so to me, that is the basic difference. Um, the original concept of law tells you what you can't do and opens up everything else that you're that you're allowed to do as long as you don't break the can't do laws and man-made law tells you no this is the only thing you're allowed to ever do i love it and you know you're totally right about the uh central reserve uh, central banks i mean we're seeing this happen in real time uh, the U.S. government is using the central banks to, uh, you know, basically fund these actors that we call billionaires. And I think they're mm. just theater actors. 
And I mean, we have Amazon. I mean, I'm trying to buy a hard, a hard or soft color cover version of your book. I've been trying to buy as I'm listening. I can only get on I Kindle. I only, can't. Only on Kindle. Yeah. I, sorry. Uh, did you do that on purpose? Uh, yeah, because the book is packed full of color illustrations, and uh, if I were to offer a um, a hardcover book of it, it would be in the seventy dollar region. Um, if it were to um, include the kind of uh, uh, color illustrations that I that I think are needed for people to understand the symbology of um, of Saturn theory and how it relates to mythology, I like owning physical stuff. But I'm I, know, get I it, wish dude. I could do it. I'm, I'm gonna be get waiting it. for them to bring Maybe you should do like. Down. You know, like comics do this now, where they they'll, they'll mm-hmm. press like a hundred, like hundred copies, pr- yeah, hundred copies of, of vinyl of their thing because some yeah. people want to buy vinyl. Put out a seventy dollar book if somebody wants to pay seventy dollars for it. I would have bought it for seventy dollars. I think that's what Bill Burr did. He just ran I would out buy of copies. It for 70, yeah, I he... just bought a hundred and sixty dollar book because mm-hmm. they. I don't think they want me to have it, so I bought it. Go, hey, yeah, man, I'm gonna read this book. So, because uh, I love having stuff, and I want to put it on my shelf when i have a shelf of books i've read yeah. and i i plan on reading or haven't read yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah a lot of people have asked me about that um and you know the closest i can you know amazon will uh the the, the way i go through the publishing um system that they have you know it's, it's about 70 dollars is the absolute minimum that i can put that book out for uh as a you know in in, in hard copy let people buy it if they want to buy it. That's up to you. I think you could get people yeah. to buy because I, I like having something physical to to hold. I'm old school like that. But going back to Amazon, you know, it is of my belief Amazon is the U.S. government. It is. It is. We have fascism, and fascism mm-hmm. sounds like the death cult work yep. where it's not. We're. N- I don't think we'll ever see in the United States a person running everything. We barely. I'm, the president has like a. a, a a one percent of the power that presidents used to have back in the day is no longer that guy anymore. That you know, I, a guy in Tucker Carlson, same as kings and queens of England. Yeah, they're all just figureheads. It's all theater. It's all theater. But Amazon, and to me, just like Facebook, are all extensions of the of the U.S. government, which are just running ran by people who control corporations and corporations are now the new fascism corporatocracy and we're seeing it happen right now and they're controlling the means of of business and and living and, and everything that you're doing right now now they're trying to control your ability to raise your children it's happening in real time if this is true, what I just saw, and I have to do some research, Gavin Newsom just made it so 12-year-old girls can get abortions without talking to their parents. Oh, my God. Death cult shit. Hmm. Moloch yeah. worship. Yeah, Moloch worship. There you go, man. But, I mean, you didn't think Amazon was, like, controls the whole United States? D- like the warehouses, they the people work there for days, and there's nowhere else to work. And if you quit, where else are you gonna go? Yeah, I think Amazon is the new company store. You know, you used to have these these companies that were so big that they that the people who worked in like the mines or on the railroad they would get paid in, so in company yeah. script. Yeah, though, but they would get paid in company money, and they could only use it at the company store. 
And I think that's what Amazon has become. You know, our money is it, it's all just going to go to Amazon, and it's going to hey, but we're going to be the only we're choice. At we're at blame too. How nice does it feel when something shows up at your house the next day? I agree. I'm trying to buy it on anything but. Amazon. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, Good luck sorry. with that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not your fault, man. I just want to support you. Mm. I love getting these books. I love reading those books. I'll do it on Kindle, man. Uh, so what else did we get? Yeah, debt slavery is very important. I mean, I have credit cards. Is it kind of funny that if you cancel a credit card, your your credit goes down? And <laughs> if you don't own a house and you don't have a mortgage, you're, you can't you can't get up to that super elite. Dude, well, cause that well, that's what I think about the credit score here. Like the more you the more you owe, the better your credit score is. In Mexico, it's the whole opposite. The less you owe, the more your credit is. Like if you don't have a car, Johnny, is that true? I think that like if you pay off all your credit cards, you you tend to have a higher credit. Score. Yeah, yeah, but they want you to have to keep the cards though. Yeah, so that you have a balance. I mean, you know, you have credit. Yeah, they just want the balance to be low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that to me is crazy. The more you, the more you technically you owe, the more they're willing to let you roll. Like, oh, you owe this much. He wants more. Yeah, like yeah. they want you to fuck up oh, and not yeah. be able to owe, and then do the interest, which yeah. is like, dude, they want you to fail. We're just living. So, what are your thoughts about what's going on right now? Uh, I don't know if you want to get into any of the COVID stuff. But like where this fits into what we're seeing right now. I mean, Australia right now came out that seven people died of COVID. Six of them were fully vaccinated. Mm. And you ha yeah. you see what's going on over there. Yeah. Well, when, I mean, you know, I have a, a down under background and uh, it, it's tragic what I'm seeing happen, happen in New Zealand and Australia. Uh, I'd never conceived that they would be the leading contenders for you know, outright fascist um, corporatism and, and communist statism, um, you know, but that's uh, that's the way they are going. When I wrote Saturn Death Cult, um, uh, this first draft, um, now getting on 10 years ago, uh, the, you know, the, the initial sort of uh, idea there um, that I hinted at, and, and it's still there in the, in the current edition and so on, is that uh, there's this idea of history as ritual, and um, the I explain in the book through various means that as part of this esoteric push to create a new golden age, they have to create a new doomsday event. And that doomsday event is, is effectively a population cull um, that uh, will reduce the population to much more manageable, uh, a much more manageable stage. So I've been arguing along, and I'm not the first, as many people, uh, you know, at, at various levels in what you would call alternative research, looking into into the occult and the esoteric, uh, have been aware that we've been marching towards what effectively is a giant culling ritual, uh, a giant human sacrifice uh, that um, will, would launch this new golden age uh, of, uh, you know, this transhumanist golden age, this rewilded earth that, uh, that a, a, an elite few can uh, actually own. And so when I see what's going on in the world today, um, I see a kind of crazily accelerated, almost out of control speed wobbles type um, effects going on where they're trying to catch up to to launch this doomsday event. And, and what I'm picking up from people I listen to, uh, stuff that I've researched and such, there seems to be uh, what, what we're actually witnessing is a is a uh, a, conf a conflict between various people within the know of how they want to 
reestablish the earth in what they call this great reset, there is a conflict between those who want to do it now and damn the consequences and those who want to somehow organize to take the wealth that they have accumulated for themselves into the new reset that they're, that they're talking about. And that conflict seems to be actually the basis for why the whole thing is probably going to fail spectacularly uh, and uh, they're all going to lose out. As far as I'm concerned, that's, that's my own sort of thinking along those lines. But we've been arguing for an event, uh, people you know, like myself, we've been arguing for an event, a worldwide culling event um, that uh, would be launched. And it's not as if they haven't been telling us that they plan to do it. Uh, that's an aspect of, of the esoteric and the occult is quite often it's a distortion of a biblical law that says you must tell the enemy what you'll do to them to um, if they don't desist from doing what what uh, what you think is a threat. They see us in humanity as a threat uh, in terms of our overpopulation, too many useless eaters. So they're effectively telling us stop breeding or else we'll 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 cull you. And uh, uh, you know this is the uh, this is this has been going. You, you can you can see this right back to the Georgia Guidestones and so on. Really, the um, uh, the eugenics movement um, is is probably the beginning of all this. And, you, and in in Saturn Death Cult, I discuss Malthus, Thomas Malthus, and his Malthusian ideas and uh, and such. And uh, you, you know the, 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 this is this is what they brought us to. What I would always let people know, though, is that the people who are running things behind the scenes for what I call the sudden death cult culture, they are substandard. They are not your great great grandparents' uh, parents' um, uh, villains from the past. The Rothschilds of today are not your Nathan or Anton Meyer Rothschilds. I'm with Meyer, you on Rothschilds that, dude. I'm with you on that. Yeah, they just don't have. They don't have the. Uh, um, you know, these were pretty formidable people, uh, the original Rothschilds. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they were um, uh, of a class way above what we see today uh, posing as, uh, as our elites. And, uh, you know, I think that's part of the reason that we're seeing, you know, it's, it's become a machine that's too big. Um, too many agendas get um, pushed. They can't, they can't pull back from it and, uh, and, 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 and move laterally. They're totally... They're totally confined by their linear thinking uh, towards this idea of reverting the world back to some kind of paradise, uh, wild paradise that they get to control. You know what, man? I totally agree with you. I, I You know, it's so funny. It's like the elites keep wanting to make the elites. But all I know about the elites is that their kids are all, all retards. And uh, sorry for using that word, but that's my opinion. And uh, their kids are all idiots. And mm -hmm. they can't run anything. So we've seen giant, you know, families that are, are like these these dynasties just fade mm -hmm. away because their kids are so dumb yeah. that they can't. Uh, yeah, look at Biden Hunter. Yeah, Imagine I mean, great example about Biden, uh, Hunter Biden. Yeah, whatever. Biden Hunter. <laughs> what do you, yo? Yeah. What do that you, sounds like a new TV show. Right. We're going to track down all the Bidens and they're going to die. <laughs> Biden yeah. Hunter. This week Biden on Discovery Hunter. Channel. Uh, but he's, he's the worst. Ran by Dog the Bounty Hunter. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I totally see everything you're saying. And uh, I, I do agree with you. I also think that there are rules to this wherever we live. Uh, this realm, whatever this thing is we live on, it's very special. And uh, there are rules to it. And you kind of brought it up. Scarcity, abundance. And mm. uh, 
you can you can live in scarcity for a while, but it's not gonna last forever. And people like you know Klaus Schwab and all of his buddies, they're not bigger than the universe, in my humble opinion. They are mm. they are just specks of dirt to the universe, and uh, they can't they can't change the laws of the universe, in my humble opinion. And uh, yeah, it comes down largely to what to defining what is actually Saturn worship and how does it differ from uh, the major religions um, and uh, uh, in, in terms of, you know, what it offers people who go down that route, that uh, sun-worshipping, Saturn-worshipping route. Um, the, um, uh, the book Game of Saturn by uh, Peter Mark Adams, uh, very, very good book where a guy who's a genuine scholar in this, in this kind of stuff, uh, he gave us the connecting evidence that actual Saturn worship has existed in elite families since the ancient times where it's well established. We know that they, that they, that they engaged in human baby sacrifice, cannibalism, the whole works uh, in order to uh, worship uh, various permutations of Saturn, Moloch, Balamon, all these different types of um, uh, gods. But there was, you know, how, how do we connect that kind of worship to the modern world? Well, in the near modern world, the Renaissance, Peter Mark Adams uh, very succinctly uh, demonstrates that a form of Moloch worship was um, was illustrated in a, a tarot deck owned by the Esti family, still a very powerful family in European elite circles. And this... this um, this 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 tarot deck was part of what he called um, attack magic that they engaged in against their rivals and so on because the infighting amongst these people is profound they just keep it you know within themselves most of the time and and uh, it only really comes to our notice when we get you know taken into world wars and, and and so on along those lines and propagandized that way but the infighting is very profound amongst them and the sd family had this tarot deck that shows they're engaged in moloch worship now how is that different from satan worship and i think this is a a key factor in understanding the motivation of these people and that is quite simply that the god moloch and the christian god or the judaic god or even the islamic god differ in two different ways the god Moloch, which is a version of Saturn, is a capricious uh, god um, that can be influenced, all right, uh, depending on how you go about it. The major religions have a god that is righteous. In other words, he puts out a bunch of laws, and then he creates a judgment at some point in time to define those who are good and who are bad. And so in the in the major Abrahamic religions, we have a thing called Judgment Day, but in Saturn worship, we have a thing called Doomsday. Now, Judgment Day is basically a, a major difference from Saturn in that you already have a, a bunch of laws in that, that tell you right from wrong. And, you know, it's your job to spend your life according to how you believe things and so on, how you conduct yourself to present yourself on Judgment Day. Now, that's the basic idea of um of the abrahamic religions saturn worship is very very different you have a god that is capricious a god who can be very creative creates the world does wonderful things and on a dime can turn and destroy it all and the objective of these people in saturn worship is to make sure that they influence that capricious god that when he does move he somehow makes exception for you if you're doing the, the right rituals the right 
activities and such. And he makes sure that, uh, that you don't get wiped out with the rest of uh, the planet uh, when that day comes. Ah. And all right. So ritual and sacrifice, all this sort of stuff is born into the idea of being influential. You want to, rather than being righteous and uh, uh, sort of, rather than seeking justice through law, you're seeking influence over the God. And certain families have been identified as having the most influence so the best way to really get involved in all this, if you are of that kind of thinking and believe that there is this uh, capricious cycle of events where people, where every now and then the, the, the universe just wipes you out, the, the rituals are a form of belief in reincarnation where if you do things right, you can reincarnate yourself into one of these families. If you're already part of that family, then you just reincarnate yourself back into the same oh family and so on. God. All right. And this is a very, very powerful uh, motivation factor for many years. You know, people ask, why would people do this? Who who could, you know, who who could get involved with a, a club, a group of people, which ultimately ends up in debauching some baby on an, on, on an altar or, or whatever it is that, uh, uh, you know, that they do? Well, if you start to adhere to reincarn, reincarnationist rather than uh, resurrectionist um, concepts, so resurrection goes towards the judgment day idea, yeah. but reincarnation, um, allows you to, uh, you know, to to manipulate the force of destruction in such a way that uh, uh, you come out, you know, on the right side of the uh, the, the overall oh, destruction man. as one of the remaining elite. And it was originally, I always thought, used as a form of blackmail, and it can be used that way. It's a, a, a you know, you get people in. You know, the rituals start with extreme sex acts. They move yeah. up to pedophilia, extreme pedophilia, murder, and so on, you know, up the list, depending on how far you want to go. And wonderful way of making sure that you stay within the club because um, the vast majority of us, you know, don't condone that kind of stuff and would actually react if we found direct evidence yeah. of people doing it. So it becomes wonderful compromise, comprom you know, um, material of compromise, to have over these these kinds of people but why would they do that they would do it because they think that somehow they're going to reincarnate in in, in another life into a better position uh where they're looked upon favorably by this universal force of creation and destruction troy wow. troy you're saying that as though you doubt that uh that that's actually what going to happen or am i right there that you don't yeah, think sure. they will reincarnate no, I'm not a reincarnationist. I'm a resurrectionist in terms of my own personal, what you would, might call religious beliefs. Um, I uh, I follow what I like to call the Melchizedekian um, priesthood, uh, thinking you know, sort of the original thinking behind uh, Old Old Testament scripture, uh, and so on. So, my 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 faith, if you can call it that, uh, you know, where where people ask in that, is in the resurrectionist idea and the idea that there is a universal um, righteousness out there um, that will, the, the, the way people like me call it is a restitution of all things, a rebalancing, so to speak, where um, the universe is brought back into harmony uh, with God. And as a result of the chaos that we've gone through, it teaches us the futility of of uh, you know basically deciding right and wrong 
based on your own whims and uh, um, and, and thinking and, and and the search for a you know a, a greater authority for for those rights and wrongs. So, I would call myself a Christian in that sense. I don't belong to any uh, major religion, uh, any major Christian denomination. Uh, and such, but for me, it's resurrection. If I was to go on the spiritual side of things, that uh, is, is 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 what I would hope for. Uh, reincarnation, um, I I I I don't see how that happens, and it, it just it, it, I just find it tragic that it has resulted in some of the worst rituals uh, that you can. Uh, possibly conceive so uh, some of the worst examples of victims um, have been created by people who have sought reincarnation to better their reincarnation Uh, and uh, you know so yeah I I, I just I I don't go along those lines this feels like a Westworld you know how you can go into Westworld and do actions and act like they're not part of your life and you can come out Mm. and you can kill someone and then you act like you didn't kill no one because you're not part of your life that's how it just sounds like they can do things knowing that Oh, it's well, not really I mean, real. Technically, like they can. Yeah. I mean, like, if you, uh, but I also think there's a little bit of sigil magic going on, sigil magic, whatever it's called, where they're te- like Q and all that stuff. That was all being told that, you know, hey, this is what we're doing. When nothing gets done, it's, it's your fault, not ours. And there is something to that, man. We all waited for, you know, Trump to save us and all that stuff when that was never part of the plan. It's very interesting stuff. You answered a lot of questions for me, and uh, man, you were wonderful. You were really well. I think what you just said takes you back to symbols, doesn't it? You know, uh, the power of symbols. Yeah, I mean, one hundred percent. It's it's so much of this stuff, and like when you broke down that they want to be reincarnated into these families, just really mm-hmm. resonated with me on why they do this, why yeah. they act like this. Troy, you're you're a bad man, dude. Thank you so much, dude. Uh, one of the uh, best shows we've done. Uh, I mean, and we've been killing it lately. This was a long one. How long? Well, how long ago? Usually we're ninety minutes, ninety-five Damn. minutes. Damn, man, great. I mean, I we could talk to you it. forever yeah, about it. this. I mean, this is probably my favorite subject. You just bought a book. So du- I'm, I would like to buy the book. I, I'm going to get the Kindle of it, but I do think you should mm-hmm. make a hardcover for those who want to spend the money to uh, get it. Yeah, it's been a while since I looked at that idea, so I'll, I'll take your advice and explore it. Hmm. Well, Troy, I know I uh, might have said a word that you didn't like, so my apologies about that, but I flung first grade, so <laughs> I pretty, pretty, pretty much uh, am an idiot, so I, I own that word. Uh, Troy, where can they find you? Where can our, our listeners find you? Well, I run a website, saddendeathcult.com, um, which is basically a website version of the book. The book is available on Kindle at Amazon, um, The Satin Death Cult. It uh, uh, gives you a lot more material that's on the website. Um, and uh, uh, I also have a second book called The, it's kind of like a prequel. It's uh, The Purple Dawn of Creation. It's a speculative look into how a spacefaring human race living on the moon of Ganymede might have viewed the arrival of the planet Saturn um, as it, as it was being captured by the solar system and what they may have actually seen on earth before Saturn was captured Um, again, speculative, but uh, it introduces various concepts of what happened in the solar system before the arrival of Saturn. So that might be worth checking out for some people. So that's also available on, on Amazon. 
This is a uh, an insane topic, man. I mean, I'm just looking over your website. I mean, there's. Can you go to SaturnDeathCult.com? There's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff going. On. Do you have any thoughts on Tataria? Tataria? I uh, don't okay, know what yeah, is. you should look into Tataria. It's very, very interesting. Uh man, there's some uh, very interesting um, stuff on your website, and there's some dark arts that goes on in the world. And now mm-hmm. you know you put together pieces for to understand why they would do some of this stuff. So. Yeah, man, uh, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. And uh, Troy, man, uh, anytime you want to come back, please let us know. You have an open door, uh, and we would love to have you on. Guys, please. Uh, Thank you very much. No, Ooh, our he talks pleasure. about gods on there right off the beginning. Yeah, man. It's, uh, guns, it's, oil, drug, sex. Well, yep. Go, gun, <laughs> oil. Yeah. Gun, oil, drug, slavery is what I think the real businesses are, and everything else is a layer to that, that they're willing mm-hmm. to destroy to protect those. Yeah, I mean, like love of money, right? Well, it, it, and that is like, that is real money. That's trillions of dollars. Mm-hmm. A business that's a billion dollars. Ah, that's great. Especially when you're just printing money was a billion dollars, million dollar business. They'll, they'll wipe their I mean, bar- well, like the left, like, Oh, leave the borders open. I'm like, if you like borders open, then you're okay with sex trafficking. Well, that's no, exactly dude, what happens when you leave the borders destabilization. open. Stabilization. Look what they did to Europe, man. They completely destabilize Europe by flooding in uh, all, all these uh, illegal. I mean, not illegals, but taking in everybody from the Middle East. Yeah. And it's crazy, dude. And it's like, I don't blame those people for coming because we're bombing the crap out of their country, uh, out of their region. And I think it's not even about oil or terrorism. It's about ancient knowledge that's there that people don't want you to know about. All the museums that they took down. Yeah. All right, Troy. Thank you so much. Uh, for coming on, and uh, I hope the swarm finds you and shows you love because you were great, and I could talk to you forever. Definitely making uh, a, a run. All mine. Thank you so much. Uh, you're definitely making a run for the mountain. Uh, i got to say, guys like me need guys like you. Uh, Dude. No doubt about it. Work that you're doing. I feel like you and I are going to be like in a Patrick Swayze movie where we're just holding each other, <laughs> swinging it around in each other's eyes. Because that's the kind of love you and I have for each other. All right? You're welcome Good. anytime. I, ho- I hope uh, our listeners shower you with love, brother. I uh, Think about making that book, and I will get your Kindle. And real quick, you had mentioned a guy who proved the Saturn-worshipping stuff. You just mentioned a little while ago. He basically had made proof. Uh, he He... Peter Mark Adams, a book called The Saturn Game. He, he, he provides the link in Moloch worship between the ancient cultures and today's cultures and so on. There's a direct connection there that that's what they're really about. All right, brother. You, my friend, are a G. Thank you so much for coming on. I love you all very much. couple tickets left to the 500. Will, oh, yeah. Will. Will Troy be named on the Mount Everest of guests? He's in the running. Or the Mount Rushmore. Either <laughs> or one. the Mount Rushmore. Whichever one it is. Whichever one that is. Is he in the running? He is. Will he be named? Tune in. You got to go there live. Only a couple. Only about 50 tickets left to the first show. And uh, uh, oh, Are we doing a Swarmies what, there? Was what, that what, gonna be a you're, you're telling me they're going to vote? The what, fans are voting for the We're Mount all going to vote. Oh. Is there going to be a Swarmies? Are we there, a swarmies? I, there might be a Swarmies live on stage. Oh, wow. We got to get uh, some trophies. Yeah, I love you guys. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the show because I know I did. Take care. We go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind.